0: Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes.
1: Hello, listeners. Hello, everybody. This is Dennis. I'm Sam. And on the show with us today, we have a special episode. We are interviewing... Matt Dale, the uh, author, what do you call yourself? Author, editor, compiler? <laughs> of,
2: uh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll start with the author and go from there. Okay, um, sounds good. Madman. Madman in a box, generally. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> excellent. Yes.
1: Um, uh, Beyond the Mirror Image, the Observer's Guide to Quantum Leap. Uh, a, a reference book, basically it's everything you ever wanted to know about Quantum Leap. It is, it is in here. Um,
2: and I feel like I've heard more about this book listening to your podcast over the last few months than I did when I was writing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that's all, you yeah, guys, good enough to mention it a lot. Uh, I mean, we. Uh, I mean, because like all of the TV guide descriptions, we actually like pull out of your yeah. book that we read at the start of every one. Uh, and that's a question that we wanted to ask, is because I know you are over in the UK. Are are the TV guide descriptions? Uh, are they actually the original US TV Guide descriptions Or what was in your version of TV Guide Over there uh, They are
2: the US TV Guide descriptions um, There's uh, there's a couple In there like Lee Harvey Oswald I know there's a scan in there from the Radio Times Which is yeah. kind of our equivalent um, But yeah uh, it's, it's the original US TV Guides Excellent
0: Um yeah, it's funny because yeah. we so we uh, bonded over Quantum Leap pretty early in, in our friendship. Uh, but when and this is a story honestly that we've told before. But uh, for my wedding, he bought Dennis bought the book for me as a gift, and that was really kind of the genesis of, of the podcast for mm. us. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm very grateful for the book for many reasons, um, and and it's been again we were talking a little bit before we started recording proper that uh being a fan of the show for you know since its inception and having even picked up guides and other books um, uh, associated with the show to have the opportunity to have something this exhaustive and, and that we mean really, that in a good way yeah yeah no exactly <laughs> um, and we appreciate the exhaustion which it probably caused you um, it's it's pretty it's pretty fantastic and it's something that I think we you know it says even on the cover unofficial and unauthorized but quite frankly I don't think that an official and authorized guide to the book would have even come close to being what this is. So um, certainly we, yeah. we will continue to appreciate and use and plug your book as often as we can. So. Yeah. I see. So, <laughs> so, so, when, uh, so when I first heard about your book, you had done an
1: episode with the Quantum Leap podcast. And at that point mm-hmm. you were in the Kickstarter phase and it sounds like you had planned yeah. to to publish about 60, uh, 60 actual versions of the book. And then you didn't know where it was going to go from there. You didn't know if you were going to get – a quote-unquote official publisher to, to pick you up, yeah, uh, and publish it, or what if you're going to do a self-publishing after that? Um, so, so I get yeah, where because I know it's on Lulu right now because that's where, where mm-hmm. we got it. Can you give us an idea like what the life of the book has been since the since the Kickstarter campaign?
2: Yeah, so. Um so I mean, originally I I had plans to print up two or three copies, literally for a couple of friends. That was that was it. Wow. Kickstarter was then a way of saying actually I'm not going to get the quality of this unless I can sell fifty or sixty, like you say. Um, Kickstarter got us about a hundred sales. Um, since then it's been on Lulu. It's I I checked today just before this call. Um, we've sold another fifty. Through Lula over the last year or so So it's it's a slow burn It's quite a niche book, let's face it um, sure. I, I, I'm i amazed More than a dozen people were interested in it So the fact that we've had 150 sales So far um,
1: it's, it's been really gratifying Fantastic, I realise I kind of Jumped ahead with talking about the history of the book Can you, right. like, like like what was Like what put the idea In your head to, to <clears throat> Spend all this time to put this book together
2: Um, depends how far to go back i mean the the original the the kind of the original version of the book um was a a two-page document that i sent a friend of mine because the dvd and vhs releases of quantum Leap worldwide have been an absolute mess um there, there was a best of in the us there was a for vhs's there was a different best of in the uk there were laser discs us only the dvds have been different everywhere and I started scouring uh the Al's Place Forum, so the the only real Quantum Leap forum that's got um still got traffic. Uh I started scouring that for information, pulled together a, a two-page document, shared it with a friend, and said, There we go, that's everything interesting you need to know about Quantum Leap <laughs> <laughs> And that that was the genesis of the book. Um and then yeah, I I it sort of got me. Got me thinking a bit more about quantum leap and and maybe thinking about revisiting and rewatching it and I met up with him he's uh not somebody I see very often and i one of our kind of biannual drinks I met up with him and presented him with this longer version of the document It was kind of it was a very very rough draft of what ended up becoming season one with probably about half a page of of pretty large text of information that I knew about the episodes and he said dude
1: turn this into a book Great. can you give us an idea I mean on Al's place but like just looking at the at the footnotes in the yeah. episode it's like some of the quantum quarterlies the, the, the fame museum yeah. that was published um, yeah. some from episodes of, of the quantumly podcast itself uh, yeah. can you give us an idea of like where you pulled all of the all your information from um, <laughs> if you go to google and type in quantumly <laughs>
2: every hit every hit um, hit <laughs> That's, that's why the book ended up being so big, because early on, I decided to set myself the task of it being absolutely exhaustive. If there was any information out there about Quantum Leap, I wanted it to be in the book. Um, quite early on, it became apparent I needed to worry a little bit about page count, because um, I, I started seeking out some uh, printing houses, and no one would go above 800 pages, That's why the font size is a a touch on the small side in the book. Um, but I said, okay, within that 800 page limit, I want to put everything I can possibly find. So yeah, it's every fan website, um, every online interview, YouTube, um, yeah, Al's place, uh, Rec Arts SF Quantum Leap. Um, you know, I I kind of, I've, I've really gone back and I've tried to get direct, um, direct quotes where possible. I tried not to rely too much on fans saying, I remember this or I'm sure of this, because the, there's a, a, a famous phrase in the Doctor Who fan world, the memory cheats, and that's that's true across all fandoms. Um, and I, I found a lot of fans saying, oh, yes, yes, I know this happened. And when I started digging a little bit, it turns out some of the stories weren't quite true, but it gave me a starting point. Um, and the, the, the biggest one, which is still a bit of a, an open question, is that, that famous um, caption slide at the end of Mirror Image. Um, there is still a lot of debate about what fans remember and don't remember happening um, on first broadcast.
1: <laughs> oh, how do you mean? Um,
2: whether or not it, Beckett was spelled correctly, uh, the, the the two T's Beckett was definitely broadcast in some places, but you will see some people that will swear blind it wasn't. It, it's not quite the Mandela effect, but it's close. <laughs> no, uh, I mean I, I can't
1: say. Specifically, when I watched it on TV, it was misspelled. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it was like, it was the gut punch of Sam Never Went Home, and they couldn't <laughs> even spell his last name right. I know. I genuinely I don't remember.
0: You you <laughs> okay.
2: for sure. Yeah. it was misspelled in the UK for sure but there seems to have been some parts of the US that got it spelled correctly but anyway that's um, I'm, I'm digressing a bit which I tend to do that is all we do but that's that was essentially the essence of the book it was find out what everyone was saying try and get to the the truth of the matter try and find some original quotes um, you'll see yeah from the footnotes in some cases I have quoted fans where necessary Um and yeah, if there's any sources out there that aren't referenced in the book, it's just because I couldn't find them. Um, everything I found is in there.
0: Now, had you done any sort of writing similar to this before starting the book?
2: Um, I, nothing in terms of published books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I created a, a Doctor Who website back in the late 90s uh, called The Millennium Effect, Okay. Um, which which at the time was... This was the late 90s. There weren't that many Doctor Who websites online. And it was very similar. It was, okay, there's books out there about elements of Doctor Who that everyone knows about. I'm going to look into all the weird and wonderful stuff that nobody ever talks about. And, and me and this, this friend of mine who helped me with this book uh, put the website together. It's still online, uh, millenniumeffect.co.uk. We haven't touched it for years. It's looking terrible. <laughs> it, it's, it's almost GeoCity style, uh, but but there's still some unique information on there that, that no one's really um, ever replicated elsewhere
0: yeah I mean to be completely frank with you I don't remember but there's a very good chance that i visited that website at one point <laughs> or another <laughs> <laughs> I, it's you know there, there, there was definitely a time where you know it, anything and everything yeah
1: no, was no, I was say if, if there's good information on a website it doesn't matter how it looks because we were texting back and forth yeah. the other day I, I don't think Al's Place has changed its motif since yeah. 1998 no <laughs> no Right.
2: yeah Millennium Effect is slightly more modern looking than Al's Place but uh, <laughs> yeah for, for sure Al's Place is one of these things it's, it is what it is it's, um, it, it reflects the, the design of the past but it still has people visiting and it still has a lot of unique information
0: Pretty yeah, without sure. a doubt. It's, I, you know, it's still, I, I think when it comes to an online presence, sure, you can go to, you know, any the, the Quantum Leap Wiki or Wikipedia or something like that, but I think that Al's Place still kind of stands the test of time as being a yeah. wonderful resource, um, including their, you know, multimedia files, which... Some sure. may or may not be legal. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this is kind of a side.
1: Do you know if the Quantum Leap Wikia, is it an offshoot of the people who do the Quantum Leap podcast or Al's Place or, or what the I origin s- of that is? By um, chance? I don't know
2: for sure. I don't think there's any links to either. Okay. Yeah. that's That's my understanding, but... Okay, I guess I know. I'm because
1: when I go to just like basically do our, our our show notes, I will use <coughs> excuse me, I will use that as a reference. Oftentimes, yeah. it's, it's very quick to, to pull up in another tab. But we've discovered even like to recording some episodes, there are a lot of errors. <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> yeah. there there are a couple episodes where they get events in one particular episode is on. out of order. One recently, like they uh, another mother. They had actually given writing credit to Linda Buckner, and Linda Buckner is the person that Sam leaps yes. into in that episode. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not quite right. Let's let's yeah. let's
0: fix that there. Yeah, it, it, it is an interesting beast because I find myself more and more. If I'm not using the book, I, I find myself more and more just going to IMDb, and, and you know, I'm pulling stuff from there as far as you know, actors and and, and whatever yeah. other information I might need. Um, so to so, go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. So, so, so to back up even more, for
1: someone who is uh, completely unaware of your book, can like you give us an idea of like what every episode, like the different sections of each of each episode cover.
2: Okay, so it's um, yeah, it's, it's broken up into. Um, well, the, the book as a whole is broken up into two halves, really. There's there's the episode guide, and then there's the, what I laughably call the appendices, which take up about half the book. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah. So, uh, that's the real tangent stuff. Mm. Um, the episode guide is kind of inspired. Um, any of your English nerdy, sorry, British nerdy listeners um, may be aware of the uh, Virgin Books episode guides from the 1990s for various different TV shows. Keith Topping, an old friend of mine, um, created the kind of format of saying, OK, let's just let's break an episode up into logical sections. And some of them are about looking at the themes of the episodes. Um, some of them are looking at the pre-production. Uh, we've got goofs in there. Um, all sorts of things. Yeah, some, some of them are very factual, like uh, I've, I've tracked for the end credits for every episode, how long the end credits last what comprises the end credits, how many photo stills there are in each one. Um, but then there's some more fun stuff like the, the goofs and the bits that don't make sense. And, sure. um, it's all just separated up into chunks so you can just delve in and, um, look into the bits that interest
1: you. For
0: yeah. Sure. I have his, I, I have uh hit while well, I was mean, co-written, but I have his, um, Avengers guide. And, yeah. uh, of course, uh, Quite a few of those Doctor Who guides as well. Um, No, I I, I appreciate that because I I really always loved those guides quite a bit. I love the fact that um, you you know you got those those different. They were broken up in that way, and it was very easy to go in. And it's like uh, Twilight Zone, which is a show that Dennis and I have actually talked quite a bit about recently on the podcast because both of us are are rewatching it along with Quantum Leap. And um, there has not yet been a good twilight zone guide that i've seen anyway that breaks mm-hmm. it up similarly to that and i really always yeah. appreciate that because sometimes you just want to go and you want to get a little you know blast of information about a specific element of an episode and i find with a lot of the twilight zone guides it's basically just it's written in such a narrative style that you have to really read the whole thing to pick out anything and Face it. Who's got time for that?
1: Um. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, with, with the goofs for each episode, are these goofs that you compiled from different resources online, or like you like watching the episodes in detail and picking the goofs out yourself, or kind of a, a mashup
2: of? There's yeah, for sure. It's a mashup. Um, one of the the kind of uh, one of the rules I set myself right at the start was um, because I didn't want to go repeating any fan lore, Anything that I I couldn't anything that I found online that I couldn't see myself or couldn't replicate myself didn't go in the book. So I found every goof I could online. I looked out for them in the episode. I have a whole separate document of basically outtakes from the book where people said, Oh, this is that classic moment where Sam trips over a plant pot. I can't see I can't see Sam tripping over a plant pot. It's not going in the book, but I kept, I kept a little list just in case anyone challenged me on it later. Um, and, and, and also, yeah, while I was watching that, I'd pick up on my own. So there's, there's some new goofs, there's some, some classic goofs that all the fans know about. And then, yeah, there's a bit of cleansing almost where if, if you see it on Al's place, but you don't see it in the book, it's because I couldn't see it. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now to move on to the, the latter half of the book, because the first part of the book is, is the TV series proper. Uh, yeah. one, one of the aspects that I found incredibly interesting was the brief history of the reboot that the sci-fi channel was going to do a boldly forward. And the fact that that you talk about, you talk about the story of piecing together everybody's narratives of, of why that show didn't actually come. Plus uh, not the script, but a very detailed synopsis of what that first TV movie was going to be. Uh, That is one part of the book that I really, really appreciated Because I was so disappointed that the reboot didn't happen. But then after I read the synopsis, I was like, I don't I don't know if I'm disappointed. Yeah,
2: it's um, it's worse than the synopsis makes out as well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I try to be very positive about it. Um, Yeah, it it would definitely have had its problems, uh, the reboots but um yeah I'm, I'm glad you liked that bit that was certainly my favorite bit to research um and yeah all the various different attempts to reboot over the years time child uh, deborah Pratt's novel and, and and so on um yeah it was all of that i mean you can see it in the footnotes there's no unique interviews in there it's all a matter of looking at all the interviews people have done over the years um trying to pull it together into some kind of narrative and hopefully i've been successful with that yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I think that, you know, in addition to not only the, the potential reboot and the discussion of that, but also just your, um, y- you know, the research that was done on episodes that were maybe supposed to happen that didn't actually get produced, yeah. um, you know, and even some of the artwork, which is included, like, Sam in the pimp outfit, for instance, was yeah. one that jumped out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that stuff because I think you know as a fan of the show even going back to like the mid 90s shortly after it was off the air we always heard about like the baby episode or the Magnum Mm -hmm. pi episode um talk about talk about a couple of those episodes for instance um that that you discovered that that jumped out at you you know that potentially could have been made but never were
2: i think that the baby episode is an interesting one i'm glad you mentioned that because um everyone has a different take on that uh it's all of all of these all of these stories that came up that that make it into the book um it's a classic interview question whenever they had scott or dean or, or any of the producers on an interview people would say okay what well, what's coming up next season or or after the show had aired what do you wish you'd done and the baby episode is this common common one uh, that and sam leaping into a dog um both of which would have had <laughs> so many problems um and it, it doesn't seem like either of those really got beyond that that concept stage. But the wonderful thing about Quantum Leap, um, because it's it, it's so crazy and it has so many crazy ideas, I think a lot of the time these guys were just in a studio being interviewed, asked this question, and they just plucked something out of the air. Ah, oh, it'd be great if we leapt into Mary Antoinette. Why not? So, suddenly, that becomes a thing. It's not something you can get with Star Trek or whatever, where... Um, an actor will have to have an insight into what's going on in the writers' room. Anyone can come up with a one-line quantum leap plot, and so <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're right.
1: know, <laughs> and along those lines. <laughs> yeah, now they think about it. These things. Yeah, uh, one that I'm not sure if I, I saw pop up in the book, but I remember very specifically reading this in TV Guide uh, the last season that Quantum Leap was on the air was that Don Belisero was planning to do a cartoon leap the next season and have Sam leap into a cartoon character. People were like, how can he leap into a cartoon character? And Don Belisero was like, it's my show. I can do what I want. Right, Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I kind of guess it would have been a Who Framed Roger Rabbit um, sort of sort of set up, um, but on a Quantum Leap budget. Yeah. I don't know how that off. Right. That would have been very interesting to try.
0: Well, that yeah. is one of the things about the show, and especially we talk about it in particular with the first season, although there are definitely remnants of that throughout the entire uh, program is that they often would take something that had been popular recently yes. and then do their you know quantum leap spin on it and so you know that that Who Framed Roger Rabbit like you say it, it's it makes sense that that would have been a direction that they that they wanted to go yeah. it, it is interesting too um, you know and with with our mutual love of, of Doctor Who for instance I think that it's, it is something that that the show has in common with Doctor Who and you know, it's, it's the same thing with Doctor Who that you could pretty much just Pull any sort of plot or concept out of thin air, and it's possible. Um, I think it more so. Yes. Right, I think more so with Doctor Who, quite frankly, than Quantum Leap. For instance, one of the things that Dennis and I have talked about recently with the discovery of the negatives and the renewed discussion um, amongst you know the twenty people that are talking about it uh, about about the you know the possible loss. We are talking very enthusiastically right, about it. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and one of the things that I I'm thankful for. I, I I know I might be in the minority, but I love the original ending to the series. I'm fine with it. I, I think it destroyed me as as like a ten year old child. I I had probably one of the first truly emotional cries of my life over that. But um, <laughs> but that said, one of the things that I don't like about the the the, the um, potential ending was the idea that Al would have leapt into the future and be on the space station, you know, ordering his wildly colored drink from an alien bartender. I just like, one of the things that I love so much about quantum leap is that there was this small element at times of reality and the idea that, you know, he was, he was in his own lifetime yeah. and to, to think about it, going into the future. I don't know that I would have liked that. What was your take on
2: that? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree completely. Deborah Pratt has always said, this is not a science fiction show. And I agree with her, Quantum Leap. I'm a huge sci-fi fan. I, Quantum Leap uses sci-fi. As a way to make a, a wonderful romance drama action series. That's, that's what it is. It's typical Don Belisario fair. It just happens to have, um, a sci-fi backing. So yeah, the, the alternate ending, um, I mean, I think we, we've all, we've all read the script over the years and it, it, there's that, yeah, that beautiful scene where you see Alan Beth in the future. And yeah, you think, well, would it be nice to see that? Is it better just imagining it? And then it goes into this awful cantina bar on a on a consummate budget again it would have been let's do star wars on a ql budget um yeah you, you just you can tell reading it it's it's gonna have been awful um i mean fortunately i, I think that the script to that bit is prefaced by and this is what we could do there's a there's a phrase like that in in the script so you can tell don's just thinking that i know this is
0: crazy but
1: yeah we were we were talking about it before we got you before we got you on the call like i remember reading somewhere over the years It may have been on Al's place i can't remember but supposedly NBC had been pushing Don Belisario to take the show in a real sci-fi direction if it was going to get picked yeah. up for a sixth season. And I, I feel like that Cantina scene was kind of like his FU of saying you want, <laughs> you want a sci-fi show? This is what I'll give you. And they yeah. never seriously planned to, to air that. Whereas like the, 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 the scene where the, the negatives have popped up Right. they may have considered actually airing that but they were never going to do the cantina scene
0: which is which is so funny to me because i feel like there are there are examples of other television programs that have been pushed similarly by networks and specifically american networks to go you know go more sci-fi or do this or do that and and almost always it ends up being you know, to the detriment of the show, sure. they they you know they lose their fans, they lose their ratings. They you know. Like, and, and are we
2: going like, to talk Sequest and sliders here? Yeah, uh, yeah. I was, I, I, ex- yes. I, I was
0: thinking very specifically about sliders. Yes, yeah. I was thinking those as well. Um, you, you know, and, and 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 even the rash of like you know uh, X Files esque shows that got yeah. produced around you know like Dark Skies, for instance, was actually not a terrible show by any means. Oh, I
2: love Dark Skies. Yeah,
0: but but it, but it, but unfortunately, it just didn't it didn't last. You know because. Yeah. It was trying to be something that was kind of already there, um, yeah. but yeah, Sequest Sliders are, are perfect examples of that. Lois and Clark is actually another example yeah. of the direction they went in there, like last season, yeah. and 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 yeah. so it, it, I think that that kind of fiddling in the show, and even some of the things that they did in the final season, which. I don't think they would have ever done prior to that. You know, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, the Lee Harvey Oswald stuff. Oh, for like, sure. Al-
2: almost every season five episode has a gimmick of well, some kind.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, almost it's, every one. It's yeah. hard to think of one that does not have a gimmick. And I and I would argue that that didn't necessarily mean that every one of them were bad. You know, I thought the Civil War episode actually did very well. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind the Marilyn Monroe episode. I think the Elvis episode is pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> the trilogy <laughs> episode. yeah. Is great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it results in Sammy Jo, which seems to be every fan's favorite idea for the reboot is that, you know, it's got to be about her. Yeah. Which, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm on the fence about it. it's like, sure, if it's good, that sounds great. But don't do it just <laughs> to do it.
2: Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, everyone seems to go straight to Sammy Joe when we talk about reboots, and whether it's Sammy Joe or some random John Smith, it, it, it's the quality of the show that matters.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, not, it would definitely say, let's
2: make a terrible reboot, but make it about
1: Sammy Joe, so that'll be okay. Yeah, it, it would definitely be interesting having having Sammy go Sammy Joe leap as a as a woman. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, just the fact of her being a woman. Sure, it would, it would be interesting. Would she? Yeah. Would they have her leap into more uh, women characters, or uh,
0: or what it would be like for her to leap into a man? It would, it would create that different dynamic. But sure. But yeah. Yeah, well, I think that the other thing that would be very interesting about the show, if it were either rebooted or or if it were a continuation, regardless, is that now here we are in 2018, and if we think about the show when it originally aired, so many episodes took place in the 60s and the 70s. Well, now that would would that would that naturally mean that so many of the episodes are going to take place in the 90s? You know, I know
2: that well, makes me feel so old. When uh, you yeah, say
0: that. I know, I I mean, I but that would really that would really <laughs> fit the 80s and 90s nostalgia that
1: we have. That's true. That we have right now. Yeah. But
2: yeah. And that that was what Don was aiming for at the time. It was, you know, let's aim for the crowd in the 30s and 40s who are are nostalgic for their youth and will take Sam to those times. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what he'd be doing with us now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The the 80s was not as long ago as the 50s were in the 80s. I
0: refuse to believe (laughs) that.
2: Yes. yeah. The 80s were last week.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 God, it feels like it sometimes. It's it's, it's not history.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, to to jump like way back, like how did you discover like Quantum Leap? Like, was it a kid, early adult? Like, why did you connect with the show? Mu- connect with the show so much.
2: Um, oh, I I wish I had a nice story about this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a short story about this one. Um, my my mum uh, was a, a huge sci fi nerd. Um, she got me watching all the tv shows in the 80s that I ended up ended up loving and um I I missed season one when it was first broadcast on UK TV it was on a little bit too late for me I was uh nine or ten at the time and um season two came on they did a repeat of the pilot on BBC two and she said hey you know watch this and yeah I watched it and fell in love with it immediately uh, so yeah I, I've been watching since the first BBC two broadcast of, of the second season um, but it's, it's as simple as that. I, I was a kid. I don't really have a, a huge backstory for that one. And how did, the, how
0: did the airing in the UK sync up with the airing in, in the US?
2: We, we were generally about six months or so behind and, and pretty much airing in order, um, which was a, a lot better than Star Trek The Next Generation got. That we were about three years behind at first and, the, and they stripped the first four seasons back to back. Um, sorry, not the first four seasons they went up to family um so yeah the, the first first three seasons and two episodes, and then stopped for a few months to to allow the American side to catch up uh quantum leap though was was actually yeah we we got that pretty quickly and um and it was aired fairly well um, yeah there were there were a, a couple of episodes switched around um, but
0: yeah uh, it, it's, it's always been no, something that's fascinated me because as, as, as a big fan of a lot of, you know, shows from, from the UK, I mean, most notably, obviously, Doctor Who. Um, the, the, and, and I was obviously not watching Doctor Who uh, when it originally aired. I Like I said, I didn't become a fan until about 1994, so it had already been off the air for a few years at that point. Um, but uh, thinking about how we got the you know those episodes uh so long after they had aired in a lot of instances um which is you know which is again different because i think that like in the 90s for instance didn't uh like er and then eventually like west wing and you know weren't those shows basically airing a- almost at the same time like there was a little bit of a yeah, delay we were, but
2: yeah we were getting a lot of the american shows a couple of months later um and what, what we'd find is there were uh, TV magazines, um, not, not listing magazines, but sort of genre magazines, uh, coming out where, um, sort of a month after the airing in America, um, the the journalists have got hold of copies of, of tapes, and we get these one line synopses of, of things like Quantum Leap. Oh, Elvis is going to show up, and that's that's it. That's <laughs> you know. and then about a month or so later, they they air. Um, so that was that was really the cycle. We'd we learn about the stuff shortly after it aired, and then um, yeah, we, we were pretty quick. The the one thing that, that does bring to mind, um, and it just reminded me of what I mentioned about the the odd break with Star Trek uh, coming after Family. I think the BBC were quite keen to avoid cliffhangers, especially when they were renegotiating contracts with the networks because um, they didn't show shock theatre uh, until the week before the Leap Back. So we, we had a, a six-month, oh, nine-month wow. break. Oh. And I think possibly because they didn't have the rights yet to season four, they didn't want to end shock theatre on that that wonderful cliffhanger. Yeah, um, so, so they just didn't show it until... Yeah, until the next block.
1: Oh, I yeah. will say as a kid, that's when I learned the concept of the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Of, of the of the season ending cliffhanger. Mm. Uh, because I remember like seeing that episode like the way that episode ended, I was like, "Oh, I can't wait till next week." And my mom's like, "It's not coming back on until September." Yeah. Aww. And when you're a kid, oh, yeah. 3 months is an eternity. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure.
2: Um, yeah we we didn't get the american cliffhangers a lot when i was a kid a lot of the time they would they would shunt things around babylon 5 was probably the first time that i i really discovered cliffhangers yeah and ironically that was because quite often they would show them uh, channel 4 would show babylon 5 all in one strip and then in america you'd hold back the final episode of the season to launch the next season so we'd get them several months before you um so yeah, we, that that was my first introduction to Cliffhangers B five.
0: I remember that actually on the on the you were talking about um, the rec.arts.sf earlier the the B yeah. five one which actually Straczynski would often post in. Uh, I can yeah. remember there were there were people from the UK that were like oh I've seen this <laughs> and I I, I want to say maybe Shadow of Zaha Doom is one in particular that I remember yeah, yeah you, you guys getting before us and I just was like no I want to see that episode because we got we yeah it, the, it was so screwy for season three and season. 4 in particular the the air orders that they did over here um, yeah. and there were yeah long delays in the middle of season three in the middle of season four and yeah. so it was yeah it was it was it was all over the place to say the least
2: I think that I mean that's still something that I think um, is quite a big difference between the UK showing us shows and US shows y- you guys have a 22 episode season it takes 40 odd weeks to show we bring it over here we show it in 22 weeks. Unless there's tennis going on or something, that's it. <laughs> Twenty seconds. <minutes. laughs>
0: and I think that it's something, fortunately, uh, that that we are getting a little bit away from. I mean, first of all, network television yeah. over here is pretty awful these days. I mean, yes. there's not, yeah. there's, there's, there's nothing remarkable about network television anymore. It's either all reality or procedural stuff. Um, so, fortunately, because HBO and yeah. AMC and Netflix tend to be the primary, you know, source for good quality television, they are doing, you know, those ten to 13-episode seasons, which is really, really nice, um, mm. you, you know, and, and again, being a, a huge Doctor Who fan, I think even, you know, going back to 05, when the show came back, and, and and appreciating the fact that we were getting 13 episodes as opposed to the 22 episodes, it, it, it mm. I don't know, it, it does two things in my opinion. One, I think as a fan and a viewer, it helps you to appreciate when the show is on even more, and then B, as a production team, you know, the staff, the writers, the actors, everybody involved it doesn't put the pressure on you to churn out, you know, all of this content and and then you burn out so often, which is something that's remarkable about Quantum Leap because even though there are obviously some duds along the way, um, I think the one thing that is always dependable is Scott Bakula. And to think, you know, that he was working so hard which is something that you touch on in the book multiple times about Mm -hmm. how hard he was working on some of these episodes um did you find in in your research anything in particular that stood out to you just about like his work ethic or about a particular episode that he had to prepare for
2: um no i I think that the common theme seemed to be that every time anyone's interviewed about scott Bakula, they they say what a lovely nice down-to-earth man he is and You know, I think if I was researching for any other show, you'd hear people say that about themselves. Um, but, but it's not it's not hard in, and it, yeah it comes up a lot through the book um, it's not hard to find guest stars saying Scott made me feel so welcome um, the, there's a couple of stories in there that I, I can't remember which seasons they're from but about him helping them take the sets down at the end of the year and and everything like that you know he the guy was a hero um, and it kind of it took me back to uh, my days when I was a lot younger I used to do a lot of amateur theatre and yeah in, in Amherst theater you end up getting involved in everything and you end up doing the the setting up the sets you end up helping out a bit with the costumes you end up taking the sets down even if you're officially an actor um, and, so, and, so and so hearing Scott yeah hearing that Scott's like that you think wow he's he's a he's, he's such a down to earth guy I mean that in terms of prepping for episodes that of course the the one that everyone always refers to is what price Gloria you know, the, the first time he leapt into a woman um, everyone always talks about how how amazing that is there's not that much from scott about about that um he he does talk a bit about eight and a half months um he did quite a few interviews around that time uh which is good um but just in terms of the all the all the prep he did with the, the pregnancy belly and uh, and talking to his wife and so on i mean that's um i guess that kind of stuff's an actor's dream really yeah um, he yeah, really sure. obviously took it um
1: really took the opportunity yeah the thing about Something that I just that really came into my consciousness recently about him is that whereas a lot of actors and performing artists like they they are very involved in politics, they are very vocal about that now, like he's not at all. Uh, And that jumped out at me just because I I follow him on on Twitter and he recently posted something or somebody had created a meme out of something that he had said about uh, CCH Pounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who is uh, one of his black co-stars on NCIS New Orleans, and basically him talking about what she is doing for, for women of color through her work on that show and beyond. Just reading that, I was like, oh, like, Scott Bakula doesn't say a whole lot about politics or, or, sure. no. or social movements or anything. Uh, I don't know how will
0: comment beyond that. It's just that he yeah, uh, he, anyways, he, he tends to keep his mouth sure. shut about that. So. Well, you know, I, I, I will. I'll add to that real quick that I think that one of the things that's remarkable about the show in general, and Matt, I would love to hear your point of view on this, especially being from the UK, is that the show, um, while is never explicitly political in any way, I think certainly. Um, there's there's a certain element of diversity and, and, and you know, freedom of mind and, and freedom of opinion that is espoused by the show through the course of its seasons that, um, while it would be very easy for, you know, us to, to, to sit there and talk about how wonderfully liberal the show is, um, that I don't think, by, by never really coming out and, and, like, explicitly having any sort of political opinion, that it does indeed... Um, No, no, no. It makes me feel good to be a fan of the show because I think that that the show helped to engender a lot of the uh, thoughts and opinions that I have. I mean, we spoke about that with with Color of Truth, for instance, and how, um, you know, at that time, growing up the way that I had, it was not something that I had been exposed to beyond like, oh, I know who Martin Luther King Jr. is. Mm -hmm. But now to be able to see this in a way... It really the show helped to inform my opinion a lot on 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 racism, um, quite frankly, and 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 I think that there's something to be said for a lot of the show's themes and, and messages through the episodes, um, without necessarily beating you over the head with it too much. I don't know.
2: Yeah, certainly. I, I yeah, from a UK perspective, um, really very similar. It's yeah, it, it's clearly a show about. Accepting the differences between everyone, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's fair to say it's quite a liberal show uh, in that respect. Um, growing up in the UK, I mean, we we don't have the same history as you. We have a lot of the same problems, just in in slightly different ways. So, yeah, a lot of my morals were shaped by American shows, which is quite interesting because you look at something like Quantum Leap, and yeah, it, it talks about some of the big historical, if we just take, talk about people of colour for a moment, um, you, you look at, it, it, it examines some of the big historical events, um, in, in black history, and th- those events aren't UK history, um, but, quantum leap star trek all those other shows that um that have a good moral center were the kind of things that as as a kid in the uk i was used to growing up with so i, I always kind of adjusted myself and said okay this is america but it, it could just as easily be here um it does and it's so
0: wonderful to hear honestly because as someone who is, is is just such a fan and i think that you know star trek obviously speaking to that is 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 an example of that in sort of an ideal utopian way but that that Really, the movement towards globalization is something that I, mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that you know we need to prepare for, uh, and we're yeah. doing a terrible job of it over, over most <laughs> you know uh, of the world right now. But I, I think that 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 idea and recognizing that you know that there aren't. The differences, um, you know, are something to be celebrated and and enjoyed, whereas when you really look at uh, the issues that we all face, they are so similar, and and that that having sort of a unified front to tackle those differences is going to take us further than to think that we're all separate and in these little boxes and have to tackle our own problems before we can, you know, help each other out. It's like they exist for all of us, so we should work together to figure them out. Hmm
2: and i think one of the very gratifying things about being a fan of a show like this is in in a lot of fandoms you meet people where they you know then they don't necessarily have that feeling they they may be a, a little bit more right leaning um, or they you know a little on the racist side or sexist side shows like star trek doctor who quantum leap when you meet someone like that in fandom it is very much the exception you think actually are you watching the same show I am how do yeah, you enjoy your show yeah. when you're so sexist I don't understand right, yeah. and oh, it's it uh, is wonderful knowing that you're surrounded by so many good people yeah um, there,
1: there's a quantum leap centric twitter account that I was following through, through our podcast twitter account up until a few weeks ago and then she posted something that was hateful I can't remember what it was and I was like nope we're, and I went. And I looked at the profile just make sure it wasn't an anomaly that I wasn't misunderstanding that one yeah. tweet. Like I read a series of tweets from this account. I was like, nope,
0: you're you're done. And one of the things that's unfortunate, I do think about about our wonderful internet, uh, which connects us right now, um, is that you know, oftentimes if you go to Reddit or if you go to a message board, it's very easy to find. Especially like I think Doctor Who and Star Trek are perfect examples right now because there is a vocal minority in both fandoms <laughs> that for Star. Trek is so against Discovery because of, you, you know, the diversity in the characters on that show, and then in Doctor Who you have that vocal minority which is so upset and angered by Jodie Whittaker being cast yeah. as a Doctor, and and for me, it, it, I agree, there's this part of me It's like, are we watching the same show? You know, are yeah. we listening to the same people? I mean, let's face it, for Doctor Who, Tom Baker said almost 40 years ago that he thought it'd be interesting to see a woman play the Doctor, you know? <laughs> so it's not like it's a new thought, and then with mm-hmm. Star Trek, you know, the the diversity is something that, while I don't think they've always done explicitly well within the confines of the television show, is certainly something that they've always promoted. And so to see it done so well, it's like, how can you be, how can this bother you now? You know, what is it about this that that draws you to the show? Mm -hmm. To shift gears a little bit, I know uh, when when you did your interview with
1: the Quantum League podcast promoting the book originally... There was a question uh, that you and your uh, your partner Kevin West, yeah, Kevin West. Okay, uh, you were kind of concerned whether Universal or or, or the powers that be were going to try to come after you for, for copyright <laughs> infringement or anything. I assume the, the book is still up for sale. That nothing nothing happened in that regard.
2: We're we're all still good. Deborah Pratt has her copy and loves it, um, which I'm taking as being a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, uh, we did our research carefully beforehand and, um, yeah, things like the, the virgin books, uh, that we were talking about earlier on, um, we, we took a, a big cue from them. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, it is a, it's a fan publication and it, it might, it might look like a book. Hopefully it looks very professional. Um, but there's professional books out there that, that manage to get away with it. And, uh, yeah, touch wood so far, no, no issues. I think it helps that we've, we've very much limited our photographic content to illustrations and, um, stills that, uh, from, uh, sorry, uh, stock photos, um, that I purchased, um, from, from various sellers.
1: For sure. Cause I was, uh, cause it will put me in mind of when I was a kid, I loved, there was a series of books in the U S like the nitpickers guide to star Trek, the nitpickers guide.
2: <laughs> yeah. The Pickers Guide was one of my favorites. Yeah,
1: and he did. I think he did the X Files. I think the the last Star Trek series that he did was Deep Space Nine. Yeah, uh, and I loved those books when I was younger. And about a year ago, he, those books just randomly popped in my head. I was like, oh, I wonder whatever happened to that guy, that author, yeah. uh, Phil Farron is his name. So Ferrand, I looked him up. Yeah. yeah, and so I found his blog, and he actually said it, it reached a point, uh, I guess, like in the mid to late nineties. Where publishers, they just washed their hands. They wanted to have nothing to do with those kind of books anymore because they were concerned about copyright infringement. Yeah. Uh, so he had totally shifted gears. Like, on his blog, like, people <laughs> left comments. I was like, we, you know, I really like those books. Have you ever thought about, like, writing again? And he was like, no, like, I'm, I'm done writing. I've, I've shifted to, to this other thing in my career. But, um, yeah
2: and that's that's one of the reasons why i I never had the intention of taking this to uh, a, a proper publisher uh, I, I figured a lot of them just wouldn't wouldn't have any time for anything that was that, that had to remain unofficial
0: mm. gotcha now when you um, so obviously go going, going back again to sort of the genesis of the book and, and and then the Kickstarter campaign and you know selling the copies it's still being up now um, do you, do you have any any thoughts to you know? Would there be anything that would come next? Do you know what I mean? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh,
2: <laughs> that, that's that's um, an answer. <laughs> no, it's fine. So I uh, there's. I haven't talked about this anyway yet, so you call this an exclusive if you want. Um, There's there's a book that I started writing before Beyond the Mirror Image, got a first draft knocked out and then put it to one side temporarily, that was a couple of years back, Um, and that was about Jeff Wayne's version of War of the Worlds, Um, if that means anything to you guys, I don't know. and as a follow-up as well uh a friend of mine and i not not kevin a a different friend of mine and i are writing a beyond the mirror image style guide to the highlander franchise
0: nice Nice. that's That's awesome (laughs) (laughs) i
2: don't don't know how big that's going to end up being because that's uh that's got a lot more places it can go
0: than uh yeah but for sure, for sure. It's the timeline for that one is a nightmare. Oh gosh, I know. <laughs> yeah. So are you? So so. Quick digression. Then are you? Are yeah. you a fan who believes that they all take place in one continuity, or do you think that there is a separate continuity for the for the television show and the films?
2: <laughs> Can I answer by saying yes again? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I I think there are separate continuities, but um, as a fan of anything, I love playing the game of how do I get everything to fit together. And you can, you can see that in the timeline in Beyond the Mirror Image. There's things that obviously don't fit that I jump through hoops to make fit. Um, and I'm doing that with the Highlander Guide as well. Um, we're I, I, we're going to have to bend some things around a bit and, and push some square pegs into circular holes. But yeah, we're trying to make it all in all into one. There are about three global catastrophes that happen after the 21st century, which is a bit of a problem. But we'll we'll deal with that. The Highlander animated search for vengeance and um, the source all all kind of contradict each other a bit. But yeah, we're we're figuring that one out.
1: So, yeah, so speaking of like the, like the timeline in the book uh, Beyond the Mirror Image, like you start as early as the 200s. Yeah. Going as far. To the far future, because I think that's the that
2: that final scene from Mirror Image. It's just the far future. That's it. The
0: the, the timeline in general. How how did you piece that together? Yeah.
2: Um, so the the timeline that was, um, and I know I think I've said this in a couple of places before. So apologies. That uh, that was an unabashed homage to the Star Trek chronology, just in terms of the concept of let's get everything together in one place. But more so the. Um, uh, there's a Back to the Future book that came out a few years back, the name of which escapes me. Um, but the the guys that wrote that took the films and the animated series. Yeah, yeah. They then also took stories off the side of Happy Meals and and posters at Universal Studios and and everything that could possibly be canon. Played that game of how do we fit it all into one? Um, so yeah, so that's that was how I approached this. It was let's take everything including draft scripts um concepts artwork um yeah anything the the novels um the alternate sequences in the novel novelizations of a couple of the episodes um and put it all into one place and put it into chronological order and um that was that was really fun to do um but it was yeah it 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 was challenging to do because there were so many contradictions and then also trying to do a chronology about a time travel show with alternate futures
1: and alternate histories. Because um, I'm not sure if it's included in the timeline, but I know it's included in the book, and you even included like this was like had to be up to very close to when you you published the book was the uh, the, the sketch on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert yes where, where Scott Bakula so showed about up that. yeah. Uh, Yeah, that was about a week before we went to printout. Yeah, because I was like, because I saw that in the book and I'm like, how did that get fit into this book at the last second? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, my my thinking is there will always be somebody out there that considers something to be canon. So I'll put I'll put everything in. You can ignore what you want. But if I start ignoring stuff, I might piss someone off. So, um, so yeah, that, that that was why I took that approach of just everything, including the kitchen sink. Um, and I, I I love the idea that that Colbert sketch is is legit. I, I think that would be brilliant. Um, then also a few months after we went to to print uh, the "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" episode, that that is definitely canon as well. I'm, I, that is canon. He he leaps in. He has a dream sequence. He wakes up at the end. It's mostly a dream, but it is Sam Beckett's dream. <laughs> i am I'm only seen, I'm, with this. Yeah, because
1: I, I don't watch that show. But I just saw a clip on YouTube. of just like him <laughs> looking out the window and singing. I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah, I, you haven't, no, no, I haven't. I have seen it. Yeah. Uh, and also, I can't remember if it was in the book or not. Like Arsenio Hall, he very briefly had a uh, basically like a reboot, like a new talk show. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to say it was like I do two, remember that two yeah. or three years ago now, and on an episode that Scott Bakula guest starred, they did uh, they, they did a funny little bit at the beginning where Scott where, where, where Scott Bakula where, where Sam leaps into Arsenio Hall and he looks in the mirror and he sees Arsenio Hall. So it's this goofy bit is like, "Oh, I must I must be back in the in the late '80s, early '90s because that's when Arsenio Hall had his talk show." Yeah,
0: yeah. Ah, oh, that's that's great. Okay, that's
2: something for me to track down. <laughs> that, is <great. laughs> that, that is not in the book. Thank
0: you. Absolutely. Um, you can come back to us in a month and, and just say that it was all Dennis's fever dream and doesn't actually exist. You know, <laughs> one, of yes. those, one of those fan misrememberings. Or uh, the Mandela effect. Yeah, yeah, right there. The, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I love and appreciate the timeline. And one of the things that, when you were speaking, uh, not to go back to it, but hey, it's a common thread. As I remember, um, probably around. Fifteen or sixteen years old, getting the first copy of A History of Time by Lance Parkin, and yes. uh, and I was so overwhelmed by it because, again, talking about a time travel show, the way that he you know sets that all up, and 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 you know, you're if you try to. If you try to read that without a good knowledge of Doctor Who going in, it's it's impossible, mm-hmm. really. You know, yeah. um, but one of the things that I love about your timeline is, 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 in you know, similar manner, you're getting all of these smaller and larger events, uh, you know, next to one another, including birthdays and you, you know, um, hypotheticals for for when something might have happened. There's stuff from the novels, from the comic books, mm-hmm. etc. And I can appreciate that, and like you were saying, I'm firmly one of those that believes that there's no reason why it all can't be canon, you know, there's no reason why it can't all fit, and especially in terms of a time travel show. Mm -hmm. You know, something that Dennis and I have talked about recently on the podcast is the idea of... It, 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 you could justify anything because when sam makes a change at any point in time who's to say that that doesn't mean that this other thing didn't change as well um yeah. you know that, that that sort of butterfly effect did you find when you were putting together the timeline or doing any of your research and came up with some of those incongruities that that you know the explanations that you started to create in your head you know were similar to that like oh well because he did this this must have had an effect on it
2: Yeah, I I tried to avoid that, and I I didn't end up using that in the end. I knew that was always a fallback, Um, although I I don't think I ever... No, in fact, actually, I'll tell you, there was one I gave up on, which was uh, Sammy Joe's birth date, which she changes birth year for the Bold Leap Forward reboot. Um, she's, She's born about 10, 15 years later, and the only way I could explain that was... Wibbly wobbly timey wimey um, that that was that was basically it um, that was the
1: thing that essentially killed the reboot idea for me
2: was, yeah. was that mm-hmm. yeah so Sammy Joe pops up uh, what 10 10 years after Sam disappeared and she's still around about 20 years old that 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 just that can't work out. No.
0: Um, well, that's a producer saying that we need to have, you know, a young attractive female as exactly. opposed to understanding that, you know, in the spirit of the show I mean, that's one of the things that I think is remarkable about the show to begin with, is, is that if this show were made today, Sam Beckett would have to be 25 years old, yeah. which would make yeah. no sense. But, you know, in, in 1989, it's okay that he's like supposed to be in his late 30s and, you know, we follow him through, you know, through this series knowing that he's got that Seasoning, he's got that history which is something that they mm-hmm. explore I think in in kind of a clever way through some of the leaps um which is one of the reasons why I'm again I'm okay I'm I'm okay without having anything <laughs> else I mean what are your what are your feelings about that Matt as far as like a, a reboot or or, or continuation would you want either do you prefer one over the other
2: um <laughs> The the part of me that would want to expand the timeline and get everything in there, it, it needs to be a continuation, a reboot I couldn't cope with. Um it it would be fun to have it back. Um I think um it I think in today's TV world, with one exception, I think it would be a real struggle because um a lot of the time on TV now you expect instead of these black and white good guys and bad guys every hero is a bit gray they've got some some kind of something shadowy going on um you know you look at the walking dead who are the heroes that's that's the constant question throughout um that's for several years now that's been my argument against quantum leap coming back that that sam is a good guy and you can't have a sam beckett that's got all these horrific ghosts from the past it just wouldn't work that being said um seth MacFarlane has done something wonderful with the orville and said actually in today's tv you can have a successful show with a cast that are uh, or a cast of characters that are all positive um so so he he may have laid some groundwork for that but at the moment in today's environment i think um tv is too obsessed with uh dark heroes
0: yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that uh, because you know one of the things that draws me to Sam and has always drawn me to Sam and, and kind of held him up in this sort of you know I, I, ideal way is that he he is he is a hero. He is a good guy. He does you know, make the right choice. And clearly, there are episodes that, that we've discussed recently, um, catch a falling star, being chief among them, where yeah. we, we we wonder. It's like, wow, is Sam? you know, is Sam really doing the right thing here? And it's not even a case of always doing the right thing. But I think that you're right that, that there is, there's no, you know, there's no darker conspiracy with Sam to reach into. There's no, you know, I feel like today the show would be so much about project quantum leap as well. I feel like there would be episodes where we would barely see Sam, that it would mm-hmm. be more about what was happening in a project quantum leap than it would be about the actual leap. And I think that, uh, I mean, sure. Maybe I'm game for that, but at the same time, I, 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 I it just wouldn't be the same show, you know? It wouldn't be yeah. the same show. It's the same thing with Battlestar Galactica. I love Ron Moore's version of Battlestar Galactica. Yes. I think it's fantastic. It's, like, it's not just great genre television, it's just great television. It, it, yeah. But it's one of the best TV shows made, yeah. Um, in my opinion, I love the, the new BSG, but that said, I do understand why fans of the original were like, This isn't Battlestar Galactica. And it's like, All right, yeah. well, maybe, maybe not, but <laughs> it's better than Battlestar Galactica, then, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I was interested, I we were talking about Star Trek earlier, if you had seen the Orville yet and what you thought of it, but it seems like you're a fan. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm a fan of The Orville, and I'm a fan of Discovery. I think they've they both got their their place. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Next Generation, and The Orville is obviously sort of the Next Generation season eight. I mean, it, it's it really it, it just the tone follows on so well. Um, yeah, it
1: took a couple episodes to find its stride, like mixing the, the mixing the comedy and the drama. But yeah, there are, yeah there are a couple episodes on social issues I would
0: put up there with Star Trek. Yeah, as far as like handling the the issue really well, I have not seen it yet. It is it is on my to watch list. I have to be honest about Discovery is I I fell out after about episode five. I just couldn't I just couldn't keep watching it. And the thing that bugged me so much (laughs) about it is I wanted to like it and I enjoyed the first two episodes, but then the next three, I just it just. I just didn't, li- I, I didn't feel like it was good storytelling. It wasn't that I disliked any element about it. It's not like I'm sitting here saying it wasn't Star Trek. It just didn't, I don't know. The story didn't grab me.
2: I, I think that when you get to the second half of the series, it, it all makes a lot more sense. It's a lot more cohesive. It's, it's kind of one of those shows that's designed to be bin, binge watched, but then they stripped it week on week and had a break. Um, I don't think they did the best they could have done with it. But uh, I, I, I am really pleased with how it turned out.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will probably revisit it at some point, but I, I, I just couldn't keep keep going with it at the, yeah. at the time, unfortunately. Um, but I suppose back back to Quantum Leap. Mm. Um, so as far as you know, we, we've we've talked about the book and, and, and sort of your thoughts about a lot of stuff. Let's get into some of the standard questions, I suppose. <laughs> um, do you do you have a favorite episode? <laughs>
1: Um, or at least favorite episode. <laughs> well, that was my I, best okay. <laughs>
2: I'll give you two answers to this because I um I I, I was on a radio interview uh, promoting the book back at the time, and I, I gave my quick answer, which was in some ways true, but also not the not the best answer. So I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I I love um, Return and Revenge of the Evil Leaper. That's that that's my short, slightly guilty pleasure answer. The my, my co-editor, co-publisher told me off after that and reminded me what the actual answer should be, which is it's, it, it, it's always the next episode that I'm about to watch. Um, which to be fair is, is also true because, um, it, Quantum Leap is, as you know, one of those shows that changes so much from week to week. Uh, if if you want a specific tone, you pick out an episode, you watch it. Um, and obviously you guys are marathoning it from start to finish, but it is it's a perfect show for just saying, you know, I want to be broken. I'm going to watch MIA. And at that point in time, MIA is the best episode. Um, but, but for comfort viewing, Return of Revenge tends to be the one that I go back to the most often. Just just for I'm going to chuck it on in the background. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I yeah. It's difficult for me to say too. I think that the you know that the sort of the MIA and Leap Home One and Two, like those those three yeah, together, yeah. It's I, a great trilogy. I, yeah, I love I love those and will always love those. Um, you know, any of the stuff that has to do with his family, I'm always I'm always a fan. Mm-hmm. of. And one of the things that we've kind of been discovering and just kind of looking out for which I think is also so different about television, would change the tone of the show if it were produced today, are, are, are sort of those little arcs that are built in, which were not intended to be that way at all. But there yeah. is a very interesting trend with some of the episodes that you get from season one, and then I would say a few episodes from the first half of season two that really start to form this kind of arc of discovering Sam's past and, and, and Al's past, and then also hearing a little bit more about Project Quantum Leap itself. Mm-hmm. And now we're into that spot where it's not really about that at all. It's just the sort of episodic week-to-week thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What about you? I Yeah, I would I would be interested for them to see how they do more arcs. Like,
1: I would have loved to have seen Al be the Leaper for two or three episodes. Yeah. yeah. From the Leap Back On. I agree. Uh, but from what I read, I, I think I read this in, in your book, actually, was that Dean Stockwell was very resistive of, of being the Leaper <laughs> and, and, and having more work to do. Uh,
2: but I, 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 yeah, I, I would... So I, he had a Christie helped that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, yeah I, I would have loved to have seen like two or three episodes of, of Al being,
0: without Leap. a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. So least favorite. Do you have a least favorite?
2: <laughs> you guys already know this. We've spoken yeah. about this. Yes. Uh, uh, okay. Keep in mind, I love all Quantum Leap, and even the one I'm about to say, I still think has its merits. Uh, but All Americans. Oh my god. <laughs> That 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 one I I find troublesome.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, Why? Because because I rewatch it for the first time, it, probably over a decade or longer. Yesterday, same getting ready Because we're recording the, the the recap after after we wrap up here. What did you not like about it? Because yeah, there were a number of things. I was <laughs> like like oh, I get what Matt's saying.
2: It it's the the kind of mustachio twirling villain. Oh very, very yes, yeah, yeah um the the wrap-up at the end to be honest with you everything else could be fine The the wrap-up of oh let's just get married oh, okay that's a good idea it, it feels racist to me. I'm not. I'm not sure whether it actually is, but there's something about it that just makes me think. Well, even I, Sam I don't, don't feel comfortable.
0: comfortable. Even Sam's it's,
1: line about how, well, your mom's gonna sleep with my dad. It's like, what, <laughs>
2: what, what just <laughs> happened? <laughs> I mean, it, it,
0: it's
1: like one thing. I, I will disagree with you on because I because I read your recap as I was watching the episode. I do think that there are seeds uh, planted between those two characters from early on in the episode the, that they that they do actually care for about for about each other. Uh, I can't remember their, their their characters' names right now. Um, that that there that there is some affection towards each other, but my problem with it is that there's never a moment in the episode where Sam actually notices the affection that they have for each other.
0: Not so sure. for Sam to just throw that out at the end, it does come out of left field. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I I, I was telling Dennis earlier that I would say the first maybe quarter to third of the episode I actually like and think is well done and there's some really nice Mm -hmm. moments especially with Sam specifically his like going from the football game and being so disoriented to then just sinking so easily into the role that he has to play because by this time you know he's got a year or so of this under his belt he knows what he's doing sure Um, and and, and I think it's a really nice you know just illustrates that aspect well I think the conversation that he has with Al even though obviously Today in particular, some of what Al has to say is problematic, but uh, but yeah, the first third or so I, I'm okay with, I'm on board with, the mustachio twirling villain I agree with, uh, and then yeah, those last two thirds or so, it falls apart, and that football game and, and the resolution, is it's, yeah, it's pretty awful.
2: I mean, we can also talk about Blood Moon if you want, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Or, or or Americanization of Magic. You know, he, like, yeah, yeah. We, we, you
1: know, I will say a few months ago I went back and I watched uh Return of the Evil Leaper mm-hmm. and Blood Moon because they're they're pretty close to each other in the fifth season. And surprisingly I actually found myself preferring Blood Moon over Return oh, of the no. Evil Leaper. <laughs> no. Then, <laughs> uh, to me, I think part of, the, part of the, it's uh, by the by the time the fifth season came along, it was so very clear that they had undergone budget cuts, um, yes. and, and they were filming so much on a budget. Like Blood Moon is not that much more weird than, say, Portrait for Troyan, but it's fi- but it seemed like Blood Moon was filmed on a much tighter budget, so it looked cheap.
2: Well, that that set piece at the end with the clouds in the background on a on a cyclorama yes. is
0: just. Yeah, Oh. Unforgivable. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and that, and, and and that's you know stated by someone who's a Doctor Who fan, so that's saying something. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It, it looks like a color version of an old Universal horror movie. Yeah. You expect Boris Karloff to come out any moment. It's
0: yeah, yeah. I, but I, I'm with you by the way on the Evil Leaper stuff. I that was something that I always really loved. I think that uh, you know, again, just kind of going a little bit. Uh, inside Sam's mind to, to think that he's found someone else that has been going through the same things that, that he has, obviously in a very different way, but that connection that's created between the two of them makes so much sense and it feels you know it feels so incredibly right. I think that one of the things that again, you know in, in, in a fan's brain you have to kind of make up is I wish that there would have been more follow up on what that did to Sam post. Um, Aaliyah, you know what I mean? Sure. Like where, yeah. where he went after that, and of course the Swiss cheesing of his brain from leap to leap maybe he doesn't really remember a lot of that which is too bad, because I think that there's you know, yeah. that, was, that was one of those sort of missed opportunities but again, it was also just indicative of shows of that time, I mean, talking about like Star Trek The Next Generation, there's the great Star Trek reboot button that happens at the end of every episode, <laughs> so no matter what's happened through the span of that 45 minutes, everybody's gonna be fine going into the next episode very little is gonna carry over yeah. You know, unless yeah. we're talking about best of both worlds into family, which is very good, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I can't remember if you included this
1: in your in your book or not. But there there was some. Uh, I don't know how much you, like you delved into fan fiction or, or anything. But there was a great piece of fan fiction out there after the series wrapped up that threw out the idea that one that the entire evil leaper project was born out of the hand link left behind in 1945 in the leap back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But there was a piece of fan fiction that put forth the idea that the entire last episode was a uh, trap set by the Evil Leaper organization mm-hmm. to change history to separate Sam and Al by changing Al's life, so that Sam and Al never met because Al staying married to to Beth, yeah. uh, he never came on to to Project Quantum Leap. Um, mm-hmm. I read that first chapter, I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea, and then I moved on with my life,
0: but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the interesting thing is, and I think that I want to talk about some of that without a doubt, um, but there, there, um, there's something about, you know, Sam and Al's connection, and, obvi- you know, talking about All-Americans for a second, actually, there is one really nice, sweet moment in there uh, about how... Sam asks Al how did you know that Tui would catch the pass and you, you know and Al says that line about how um, or, or not catch the pass but he would go Back into the game once he found out that, that Sam was Going to leave the game right yeah. and, and, and it's like Because you know they're Like you and I and I think that that Connection between the two of them it's just kind Of like you know Fate would have brought them together no matter what, and I and I also think that something that's a testament to Al's sort of recovery uh, after Vietnam is the idea that I don't think it would have stopped him. From you know being an astronaut, from going into Project Starlight Star to doing any of the sure. things that he that he went on to do, uh, I think that there are other elements of his personality that it would have changed. But I think career wise, he probably would have you know continued on that path. So it, it, that that aspect of it never bothered me, never made me think that he wouldn't be around.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I remember uh, at some point Don Bellissario said in some post interview that 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 no, like some some things in the timeline are faded, and no matter what, Sam and Al were going to meet and yeah. work together on Project Quantum Leap. Yeah.
0: Um, do you do you have any uh, any favorite Al moments or costumes that stand out to you through, throughout? I mean, you, you do a wonderful job of talking about his costumes. In the you world, have, a, you right? have an actual list yeah. at one point in the book.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that
2: that was difficult. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was I regretted doing that section as soon as I started it. Um, I, I think Al's introduction uh, that the first scene in the pilot episode it. I'm still appalled that they cut that out for syndication. Um, it, it's such a beautiful way of introducing him. He's so charming. Um, that and, um, okay, in terms of happiness, that's that's probably my favorite Al moment. But um, I love when Stockwell breaks down in Jimmy saying, uh, how does a 16-year-old girl die of pneumonia um, in whatever year it was? And uh, again, at, at the end of MIA, where he's having that confrontation with, with Scott Bakula, um, both of those are just such powerful moments. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, in terms of Al moments, those are, I think those, those are three real highlights in the series. Um, his costumes, like I say, I think, putting that chapter together (laughs) killed my appreciation for Al's outfits. so don't even ask (laughs) I don't want to think about them what what I
1: will is to say uh, one story in the book that I really appreciated was M.I.A. was Mm -hmm. how uh, as the footage of that was coming in, and how people were were talking to Dean Stockwell, they wanted to give him more dramatic moments in the episodes, and he was like, "Please don't, yeah, uh, because he yeah. is one of those actors. Like when he when he goes there, he goes there, and he actually does emotionally devastate himself. Yeah, and he the reason have- why he and the reason why he liked playing Al is that he he wanted to be fun and gregarious and not and not mm-hmm. had to go to those dark places. And I right. found that just incredibly interesting. Do you have any plans to ever like go back and? and revise the book and put something out there or is this just like the baby's done it's out there um
2: i'd love to do something else uh for the anniversary um i don't have any specific plans but there's there's new stuff that i'm finding all the time uh as soon as it went to print um i i immediately started pulling together notes for something i don't know what that something might be um
1: but yeah, for, for sure. The 30th anniversary is just around the corner. Were yeah, you, anyway. uh, I, I wanted, that did pop into my mind earlier. Were you at the 20th year convention?
2: No, no I wish I had been. Um, I <laughs> For most of my life, I wouldn't consider myself much of a Quantum Leap fan. Um, I, 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 It's quite a good show. I collected the DVDs. It's fun. Um, and I decided to write the book because... It, it interested me and it seemed like nothing had been done like this before. And it was while writing the book that i would become enough of a fan that I would have gone to the convention. Um, but no, w- when it was on, I, I knew about it. Um, too much effort. I'll pass. Couldn't really afford to get over there. Um, wasn't a big deal, but yeah, that, that looked like an amazing weekend. Yeah.
1: I am, I am kind of curious because we're coming up on the, uh, the 30 year anniversary like a year yeah. from now. Yeah. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there are, any plans? Because I know, I feel like the, the the party behind the Quantum Leap podcast. They organized the 20 year, if I understood that correctly.
2: No, it, it was the 20 year one was um, some some of the guys behind Al's place. Oh, that's um, it, that's it. Yeah, some some of the people behind Quantum Quarterly and a couple of others. Um, and yeah, my understanding is they're not they're not planning on anything for the 30th. So if someone is, um, there's there's a space there. Someone needs to
0: step up quickly. Absolutely. Uh, so I do. have, I, I, I remember my questions here. Uh, I'll get them out quick. Um, so uh, first of all, I really appreciate the fact that you, um, you know, were so exhaustive in, in the coverage of uh, not only the show but the novels and the comics as well. Um, is there one of the novels that stands out to you um, as being kind of head and shoulders above the rest? Because, for instance, going back to Doctor Who, you know, with all the novels that have been out there, and that's really actually how I got into Doctor Who was through the new ad- Virgin New Adventures and the adventures oh, right. those brought me into it and I, I i just actually finished my collection recently like literally a month ago i got my last like book in and i well i actually I no, I have, I don't
2: have, like, want to ask how much that costs because those things are well, now.
0: i got lucky now. because i actually got like lung Borrow and the dying days and and uh a, a lot of those last few books i got those when they came out so I've had those for like twenty years. Um yeah. anyway, uh was there so with those obviously varying quality quite a bit, but was there uh one of the novels there are much fewer of the Quantum Leap novels uh that you enjoyed or that stood out to you more than the others?
2: Um I <sighs> I love there's two really. Um, I love Prelude because it, it delves into the backstory. Honestly, I don't think it's the the best written, almost dynamic book. But just in terms of pulling all the facts together, it was it it was the first thing that I put into the timeline. Um, it was really useful for grounding it, and um, it was nice. Uh, I think going back to what you were saying earlier on, if they rebooted the show now, there'd be a lot more around Project Quantum Leap. Prelude kind of felt like the pilot for a new series. That's that's how they'd approach it. It's it, it's they they'd start it in the future and then go into the past. Um so I, I found that really good. Um I really like foreknowledge. Knowledge, um, Christy Philippus's book. Uh that's generally held up as a as as a fan favorite. Um there's just there's something about it. It's a lot of fun and it's got some good good time travel twists in it. Um Mirror's Edge is a is a classic. I mean that's that's kind of the the lung barrow of the, the series. Right, it's, right. It's one of the more expensive ones, um, but it's it's well worth tracking down. For sure. Um, it's, it's it's a, a doorstopper stopper, but it's uh it's, it's a good book. It
0: yeah, it's like almost twice as long as some of the others in the in the yeah, series yeah. actually. But
2: they get so much into it and then um I, I don't want to spoil the ending for anyone that hasn't read it, but uh it's yeah it has a a perfect ending
0: well i think that one of the things that a lot of the authors got right was the the sort of the emotional content like really finding a way to kind of engage emotionally with these characters and what made them tick and what makes them run i think you know pulitzer does a good job of that i think even too close for
2: comfort yeah yeah Yeah. angels
0: unaware is another one that i feel like does a great job of kind of getting into the emotional you know arena of the show
2: yeah and I, Angels Unaware, that, that final scene, I was blubbing as I was reading
1: yeah, it. Yes, right. <laughs> same here. yeah. Same here. yeah. We, we talked about that um, briefly because we just did Another Mother a
0: couple weeks ago. In contrast okay, to that, context. however, I will say that the comic books did not go anywhere good most yeah. often. I was, I, I, at
1: one point, I bought the comic books because at one point I was a collector of anything Quantum Leap. Yeah. And then about a decade ago... I sold them on eBay because uh, yeah. it was just it was just like they're sitting in a box. I'm only having them to be a collector's yeah. thing. Sure, I, I live in a studio apartment and I'm in.
0: I'm broke. I right? need money. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but did any issue? Did, did did any particular issue? I mean, it's a pretty short lived series. Did anything stand out to you yeah. at all?
2: Um, I'm tempted to be controversial and say the time and space one at the end. But, uh, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's pretend that one didn't exist. Um, probably waiting um, because I think, yeah, you, you say it, it never really got into the emotional backstory of the characters, but that was the closest one where it did, where it's just, it's the whole episode, the whole issue is, is just Sam and Al talking. And that, that was nice. Um, but yeah, also, completely contradicts so much in Quantum Leap that was another one that was a bit of a struggle to fit in Um, (laughs) it's leaps in before he was born it's all about him making or the end is about him making Marilyn Monroe famous Um, it's yeah doesn't doesn't quite make sense but it's yeah it's it's a good comic book
0: so my final question which again is probably another one of the standard ones in your journey in, in writing the book is there any piece of memorabilia or anything that you collected in particular that you're very proud of or that stands out to you is like ah this is so cool to have I'm, i i i really love this piece like is there anything like that
2: um Unless I finally get round to buying that uh, box of cigars on eBay at the moment that's signed by Dean Stockwell. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't know that
0: was out there, but that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hey, start a Kickstarter to buy <laughs> yeah. that box of cigars. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 um, no, I think it's um, probably some of, some of the videos, um, you know, the, the, the german and the um the spanish vhss with their awful awful cover designs um <laughs> uh, quite wonderful to have i've got um yeah actually i think probably my favorite i like, i have a few of the crew t-shirts and caps and they are they're very very nice to have um just yeah cuz that's that's memorabilia from the series itself but uh
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt. First of all, thank you so much. Second of all, if they ever get around to actually doing some proper special features for you know the Blu-ray box set (laughs) reissue, that I hope they do, I certainly hope that they contact you. Uh, I I would love to uh, to have you know to have you included on that because I I, I think that the book is clearly a labor of love and and it's so incredibly well done. It really is. Uh, You know, I don't just say that. And for any of our listeners, you know, we encourage you to, to, to pick up a copy because I think that any fan of the show, this is the type of book that you want to have, like, on your bookshelf. You know, um, if you don't track down all the comics, if you don't track down all the novels, if you don't, you know, you don't need to. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so thank you so much for the book. Thank you for so joining us you. today. Uh, I really hope that we'll do this again, because I, I, I think that there's even more stuff that we could cover in the future, but, uh, but again, thank you so yeah. much for this.
1: Yeah, we hope to have you on in the future pretty soon to, to cover an episode proper.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then get off on all of our Wild tangents when we get to the episode. We'll, we'll have to book aside a whole day
2: for it, I think. Yeah, yes,
0: sir.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, Matt, thank
1: you so much for your time. I know, uh, yeah, you're working to, to, to squeeze us in today. Yeah, thank you for that.
2: I'm sorry. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love your podcast, so it's been really great being on. Uh,
1: thank
0: Thanks you so much. very much. Have a wonderful day. And again, hopefully, we'll talk to you again real soon. Great. Thank you. Take Take care. care. All right.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at FWWQuantumLeapPod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.
2: I've got to ask something that's been bugging me right the way through. Do you have a complete collection of Doctor Who DVDs behind you?